Welcome back to the 1211 Podcast. Um, today I'm with April Rogers, and um, I'm really excited for her to be here. She has impacted my wife, my family, and, and so many other people in this community, and um, I am just tickled to have her here. So welcome, April. Well, thank you for having me, Corey. I like to call you CT. Um, you and Deanne have been special friends to Adams and myself, and it's always a pleasure just to talk about the deep things of God with you. And I I just remember your uh, willingness to come on my podcast a, a while back and talk about how we are not ashamed of the gospel, and you live that out in such a wonderful way and everything that you do and so you inspire me thank you and we were just we were just uh talking before we got got on the air and um today is is the day that uh it's february the 5th this is the day that i had my encounter with jesus nine years ago and and um your husband adams had a lot to do with that it was uh it was that weekend i I got to hear his story about his his redemption about how god redeemed him and and the funny thing was, I, I remember telling him, I was like, I want to get to know you. And uh, well, we were neighbors for like three years. Yeah. And we yeah. didn't even, we were going <laughs> through this season of children, you know, infants. And, you know, Deanne yes. was, uh, you had already, I think, had both of your children. And we were we were in the middle of having our one and we were pregnant with, with the twins. Mm-hmm. And so we were just in a season that we didn't really get out, out in the front yard and, and really mingle with our neighbors but I'm, I'm so thankful for our friendship now for yours and for adam's um so i just think as i think i know god was was aligning things up um, yeah. even before we even realized it <clears throat> but i want to you know last week if if any of the the listeners had listened to last week's tear off the roof story about uh the tragic death of tarver braddock and this community is uh it's been devastated, and um, I know that you yourself have, have been through devastation on uh, numerous occasions, and I just wanted to bring you on to to share with the audience uh, your story and and how you were able to uh, just continue on in your journey. So I just, I'm going to give it over to you and just kind of let you share with them, you know, your upbringing and uh, when you got to that first tragedy. Well... How much time do we have? No. we got plenty of time. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, you know, everybody who knows me knows that I always say that I lived a charm childhood. You know, uh, we weren't a perfect family, but we were a family who just truly loved each other. So my parents um, were not believers whenever they first got married, but the Lord got a hold of them 
and uh, they decided that they were going to raise me and my siblings in a spirit-filled home, and I'm so glad that they did. And, and like I said, we were not the perfect family, but we just genuinely enjoyed spending time together. And they didn't give us a bunch of gifts, but they gave us the gift of going on vacations together and party barge rides and, you know, just like spending time on the river and, and having so much fun together. And I'm glad that they did that because... Um, it was it was whenever my brother was 17 years old that tragedy came and rested on our family and you know it was one of those moments where you think that nothing would ever happen to you um, but the unthinkable did happen to us and so I'll just tell you the story um, quickly but my parents were down in Florida. They were scheduled to go on a cruise. And so Adams and I were married at this point, and I was about 25 years old. And um, Jeremy was going to stay with Adams and myself. And I was really excited for the weekend. You know, like Fridays were always my favorite day of the week. You know, woke up, went in a good mood, ready for the weekend. We were going to watch some movies and eat some good food. And I had gotten all of his favorite things and, and was just really excited about it. And I can remember getting off work and going back home and thinking, okay, well, I need to find out where Jeremy is. And at that point, you know, like it, the cell phones were kind of like the flip phones. So it yeah. wasn't just like a whole bunch of um, ways to text, but you could you could call each other. It took a little longer to text. Yeah, it did. You had to it do did. the ABC thing. <laughs> That's right. Um, I can remember it, I was in that house that you were talking about, um, living in that house on West Ebra. And I remember looking out the sliding glass door, and I kept calling him, and I was thinking, man, it's so weird that he's not picking up. I mean, he is a, a teenage boy, you know, like, he should at least be picking up. But I wasn't too worried about it in that particular moment. Um, but then as the hours progressed, I was like, oh, like, so, something's not, not quite right. Um, and then... I, Adams and I got a phone call, and it's one of those phone calls that you never want to get. And I, I really don't remember anything other than uh, the person saying, your brother's been in a bad accident. You need to go to the hospital. And so, Corey, like, I grabbed the medical release that my parents had given to me, and Adams and I jump in the truck, and, and he's going as fast as he can. And we make it to the hospital, and I can remember getting out of the truck and I could see all these little pockets of Jeremy's friends and they are hugging each other and they're crying but it still wasn't registering in my mind just yet and so I'm going in and I have that piece of paper and I'm waving that medical release around I'm like do whatever you have to do whatever you have to do like I don't care just like do whatever you have to do so I knew that it was serious but I did not know how serious um, so I make it in, and then my sister, Julia, comes in right behind me. And it was then that, you know, they kind of just ushered us into this private room off to the side, and that is a room that you never want to be in. And there we were told that my beautiful, hilarious, larger-than-life brother was dead and that there was no hope that he could be revived, and it was just done, and it was final. And 
the moments that passed were just surreal, um, completely and totally surreal. I remember we had to get on the phone with my parents, and um, thankfully they hadn't left yet. Um, they were they were staying in a hotel in Florida, and we had to we had we were waiting to be able to talk to them and to tell them this news that their only son was dead. I just, it was a sickening feeling, a totally just sickening, awful feeling. And, you know, as that night progressed, I just, I, I can remember people that were so kind um, now, I can remember it, you know, just like putting me in the in a car and taking me home. And I, I don't, I don't know why we didn't get in Adam's truck. I don't remember that part of it, but I, I do remember being back at the house and, just laying on my bed in the fetal position and feeling like a rubber band was placed around my heart and it was just like squeezing the life out of it. And I did not know this at the time, Corey, but Jesus was there with me and he was holding me and he was weeping too. And I didn't, I didn't feel him. I didn't know it until years later he revealed that to me through a beautiful story which we'll talk about but he was there he was there so in your story you <clears throat> talked about having to do things that you never you know envisioned ever doing picking out a casket for a teenage boy and mm -hmm. making funeral arrangements and yeah and uh making slideshows and honoring your brother but you said this and i want to elaborate on this you said as the days turn into weeks and then months everyone else's life returned to normal mm -hmm. but there was no more normal for me and my family and i wondered if i could ever feel god's light return to my shattered life and i think that i know that that there are many people in our community right now that are feeling the exact same way. So how um, how can you give them a, some encouragement and, and just kind of explain where you were in that time and and how you navigated through that? <laughs> Not well. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, really, it. Um, I was telling a, a mutual friend of ours about just you know getting in my car and I can remember driving by Wendy's and I saw people in line to get a hamburger and I was so mad about it I was furious I was like how in the world can they be eating a hamburger like don't they know that my life has been shattered into a million pieces and you know like how, how can life just go on how can people just like be getting a frosty <laughs> right. at this particular moment it was just like so it, so foreign to me that like life would just go on for everybody else but for me and for my family there was no more normal and I think that that that's the um that's the hardest part because whenever you are in those days in between the death and then the funeral, you're surrounded with so many people. And, you know, like we were carried through those days by the Holy Spirit, number one, but 
by the love and the prayers of so many people. And they would show up and they would tell us these stories about Jeremy. And Jeremy was a character. Like, let me tell you, like, he was not, he was not a saint. <laughs> um, he was a 17-year-old boy. Knucklehead. Yes. And, and an annoying little brother whom I loved with all of my heart. Um, but they were telling us these stories. And, and they one of the stories, I'll just digress just, just a tad, just to tell you um, about how this touched me. But it, it, it was about a kid at Lee Junior High, which is now Neville Junior High. And Jeremy had witnessed to him on the playground. And I was like, what kid does that? What kid has that kind of boldness about the, about him? And he also would never, ever leave a conversation without telling the person that he was talking to, I love you. And even if it was a dude, and he would say, I love you, man. And it would make so many people feel uncomfortable, but he didn't care. But thank goodness that he did that, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, everybody felt so loved by him. Um, but anyway, we had just such a, a great support system in those days. But then once everybody starts going back into normal life, and, and that's that's the reality of it, right? Like people have to go to work and people have their own, own kids and they have things that they have to get done. It's really hard in those days because that's whenever you're sitting in the deepest darkness. That's whenever you're really trying to hold on to your faith to, to know um, that God still is there, and and those are the really tough moments, you know. And and I will say, grieving is a process. You know, we've talked about this before, but you've got to go through it. You have to walk through it. If you don't, you'll get stuck. And so you have to let yourself feel these different emotions and these different things that that come up and I had a pastor who has been in my life at the time he had been in my life my whole entire life he's now gone to to be with Jesus um his name was brother Jerry but he would allow me to call him multiple times a week um and he counseled me through it and I told him I said brother Jerry like I'm I'm scared and I'm nervous about how I feel about the Lord right now because I'm angry and I'm mad at him. And I don't know if that's okay. You know, like I had always been raised to be the good little church girl. And, you know, now I'm having this crisis of faith. And he said, that's okay, April. Like, bring it to him. Bring it to him. He already knows how you feel about this. And he says that his power is made perfect in your weakness and that his grace is sufficient. So box it out with them. And Corey, like the the freedom that it gave me to be real was the biggest gift because I was able to to work it out with the Lord. And I, I can tell you, like, if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't have been given that, that okay by somebody that I felt was um, qualified to tell me, hey, it's okay for you to to have these feelings and this anger and 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 want to know the whys, um, then I probably would have gotten stuck. But I was able to to really, I was able to let the Lord know how I felt, and then He was able to let me know how He felt about it. So I know Tony Evans is one of your favorite people. Absolutely right. And so um, after this accident happened, I I found this book. It's called Divine Disruption. It's, mm-hmm. it's Tony 
and it's his uh, Jonathan and Anthony and Crystal and Priscilla. It's a book, but all of them have their own perspective about the things that have happened. And, and many people know Tony. He's a wonderful pastor out in uh, the Dallas area. Um, he's a, he's just oozing with knowledge, and he's he has a way to articulate stories. And he he just he does it for me. Like it, it's very simple. And um, but this book is is about from 2019 till COVID happened, and it talked about all the things that happened in their life. He lost his his brother. I think he lost mm-hmm. his sister. He lost his 38 year old niece, which was Priscilla's best friend. Then his his wife gets re-diagnosed with cancer. Then his dad's dying, and he's he's having to debate whether I fly to Baltimore to see my dad one last time, or my wife might die while I'm on the plane. Mm. And in the whole first half of this book talks about their 18 months. And he said, I almost named the book. What else God? Yeah. Like what else is coming? You know? Yeah. And, um, so the first half of the book just talks about all the hardship, all the trials. And then the, the, the next chapter is, it's like the, the, but God thing, you know, you got all these negative things and it's like, but God rich in his mercy. Mm -hmm. And it says, is he God or is he not? And as you were talking, it just brought me to what, what Crystal said. And I want to quote Crystal, Tony's daughter. It says, how do you get your hopes back up and go forth with confidence after your heart has been crushed? If someone comes to me hurt, confused, and struggling to believe, what can I possibly, possibly offer that is personal and real from my own point of view? I can offer honesty, mm-hmm. my honest struggle with God, often in real time, and my commitment to a God whose heart I trust, even when I cannot see his hand. For me, it's not a matter of whether I believe he is God or not. It is a choice. I choose to believe he is. The struggle is real. The, this life is a fight, but I believe truth can still reside in the struggle we all share. And I also believe that God meets us when we are honest and real yeah. with ourselves and with him. And so it's, you know, that word believe, you know, we talk about it. And uh, mm-hmm. that was one of the one of the words I wanted to to talk about. And, uh, you know, because the Bible says if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and, and you call on his name, you confess him as Lord, you will be saved, right? And the, the believe, believe in and believe that. They're, they're, they're two different things, right? And so I heard this story one time. And then I've seen it play out. So I have three daughters. You have two daughters. Do you remember when they were just starting to get in the pool, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it was you or Adams or myself or Deanne. And we're like, jump. Yeah. I'm going to catch you. They believed that's my daddy or that's my mama in that pool. They believed that that Mm -hmm. was my mom or dad. But it wasn't until they jumped as they believed in. And so it, my brain works that way. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I believed that Jesus was the, for, uh, for 40 years. Yes, yeah. I would not argue. I believed that Jesus died on a cross. I didn't mm-hmm. know where it was. I didn't know where God got. Like, I didn't because I never had a Bible. But until it became personal... I never said I'm going to jump in. 
Yeah. And so that, you know, um, the belief part, and that, that comes with a relationship. It comes with, so I remember, I remember the first day, my twins, I had, I got two twins and I got one, Marley, she's a little older. Um, I remember the twins. They were both like watching each other. Like, are you going to go? I don't know if I trust <laughs> you. Know, and then when they did, I could not get them out of the pool because yeah. they, they jumped and they're like, my father caught me. Yes. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And so it's so simple in the, in the pool terminology, but when tragedy hits, mm-hmm. it goes back to all of the things that your family had the foundation of growing up in, in, in church, learning about Jesus. It didn't make it go away. It didn't right. like the pain was still there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there was some unbelief. Maybe there was some, some questioning, but the foundation that was laid, he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's right. Despite your unbelief, despite your anger, your doubts, whatever the case may be, he's just faithful. Yeah, he is. And you said something in um, the past episode and the, these are your words, you said, and the only way to trust someone is to know them and to have a relationship with them. And that's so true, you know, um, because our God is a relational God. He is. He wants to be known by us. He knows us, but he also desires to be known for us to know him. Because he wants, he wants it to be two-sided. He does not want to, you know, just for us just to know about him, but to actually have that relationship with him. And he is our our good father, and he does give us good gifts. And we can jump in, you know, with full assurance that he is going to catch us. Does everything happen exactly how we would want it or wish it to be in life? No, you know, he he says that in this life we will have trouble but to take heart because he has overcome the world that's our promise that we can hold on to whenever we have the the things that that threaten to swallow us whole but if we have a relationship with them then we can get into the boxing ring with them and we can start to try to throw the jabs and try to throw the punches but guess what he does he comes and he just like wraps his arms around us and he holds us because he is faithful that's who he is and never once did we ever walk alone he has been there from time and eternity and I can remember brother Jerry you know just teaching me a lot about the sovereignty of God that we're not always going to know the why on this side of eternity but that we can trust in the fact that he is sovereign and it goes back to the words in Isaiah where his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And if I truly believe that, then I can trust in his heart and I can still deem him trustworthy because he is so trustworthy and he is faithful. So in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it speaks to that. It says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 
For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it talk, goes on to say, you know, like, remember, don't forget. Don't forget right. that he's good. The situation is not good. You know, I've lost my brother. Um, I'm going through these things. I'm, I've got a, I mean, you, you, you were married for one whole year maybe yeah, at that time. Not, yeah, not even a um, year. So I haven't ever really talked to Adams about how that, that challenge, you know, uh, was the spouse um, the compassion, the patience, mm-hmm. all of the things, because you're navigating waters that you've never, you're navigating marriage. Yeah. And then you're navigating, I just lost my young brother, who I love dearly. And mm-hmm. um, and and that's such a good point, because um, Jeremy loved Adams, and Adams loved Jeremy, you know. And so there was that whole dynamic where he was hurting but he knew how badly I was hurting. And you know, you know, as a husband and, and, and a spouse who wants to fix it, you know, and like he couldn't fix it for me. It was, this was something that was unfixable. But what I will tell you about Adams is that he just loved me through it. And he would allow me to go through all of the waves and the emotions and the, you know, like it just kind of hits you out of nowhere. Like you'll, you'll be fine one second and then the next second you're just not. And he was so, so patient and good. And I can remember we would just get in his truck and we would drive around and um, I would just like scream and I would be so upset. And he was not my savior through that, but he pointed me back to my savior and I I think that that is such a, a a good thing maybe for somebody to hear out there today is that you can't fix it but you can just love and allow somebody to to go through it and you can walk beside them and and don't try to be their savior but just keep pointing them back to Jesus over and over again and um you know that's a process, just mm-hmm. just like the relationship is a process, and um, trust is a process. And throughout the retreat ministry, um, yeah, I've been a, I've been a doing the the retreat thing for the, the last nine years. Today was the first day I ever went on a retreat nine years ago, and and I've heard I've heard tragic stories, mm-hmm. right? I've heard stories about fathers, mothers losing their sons at young ages car accidents uh, you know uh, you name it I've, I've i've heard and over time i've heard the beauty that comes from the ashes right yeah. over time and every time i hear those stories about you know god uh, putting someone in the path of another who's going through the same thing at just the right time mm-hmm. you go you see the purpose in the pain. Yeah. Now, you can't see it while you're in the middle of it, right? But this this one quote I heard, <clears throat> and it said, uh, death impacts people in different ways. 
when you hear of someone dying that you might have known, you may know them indirectly, but you never really knew them personally, you might send your condolences and you may stop and acknowledge them and, and their family with a prayer, but then you go about your day. Life, does not, there's not a significant impact on your life in that event. It actually says about 14 days later you forget mm. and you, you move on. Not, not in a negative way, it's just... Yeah. But when you lose someone like your wife, your parents, your child, your grandparents, your best friend... It has a completely different impact on you because of the depth of the relationship, right, that you had with that particular person. And so for me, prior to February the 5th of 2015, Jesus' death, I, was, I believe that he died. I just never believed that it counted for me. And so it never really had that effect on me, right? Mm-hmm. And so your, your faith journey started significantly earlier than mine. So you were, you were a follower of Christ. You, you had professed him as Lord and Savior. You get rocked with this, yeah. right? You had a foundation. And so I wrote this question down, and it, it says, difficult question for April. Yeah. At what point in your mourning of Jeremy's loss of this mourning process... Did Jesus' death start having a positive impact over kind of trumping, not trumping Jeremy's death, but have a positive impact in your life where you're able to go, I'm still mourning this, Mm -hmm. but his death was so much greater for me and for for Jeremy's salvation, for my salvation. When you started to think and having a different lens on, on, on the situation. Okay, honest answer? Yes. All right. It was much later than probably anybody would expect for me to say. I was praying about this, and um, I felt like the Lord did reveal whenever that shifted for me. And it was about 10 years later, 10 years after the death of Jeremy. And, you know, we had walked a lot of different um, a lot of different things. And, you know, you're talking about a Tony Evans story and, and our story is a little, um, similar in the fact that, you know, within that year, within that first year, um, we, we had other losses that we had to endure as well. And I was just kept thinking like, all right, Lord, like, when am I going to pick up the phone and I'm not going to be told, you know, that somebody else that I love has passed away. Um, and it, it was really, it was really hard, but just like, I kind of felt like we, we just were, were going through life, but now I'm wearing this label and I'm wearing the label of the dead man's sister. And I've, I was wearing that label all around, you know, like, um, I have a, I lost my brother and my brother's gone and I'm, I'm, I ha- constantly had this label on me. And nobody knows how to handle it. They don't know how to. Right. They don't know if they need to coddle you or yeah. treat you normal right. or different. And it's yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, yeah, it is. It is. Um, and it, within that time period, Adams and I walked through three years of infertility as well. 
And it was actually through infertility that my love for God's word got ignited. And this is so crazy because like I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, walked through Jeremy's death, you know, like the hardest thing I've ever been through, but it was three years of wanting and desiring a baby and being able to do, you know, like nothing about it, it, it except for, <laughs> anyway, I, we were doing our part, but only God can make the baby, right? Only God breeds life. And so for 36 months, I did not have a baby to hold. And I can remember like, it was the Lord that, that he finally said, April, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart, but you're going to learn what it means to delight yourself in me first. And, it, and my passion for Bible study and reading God's word got ignited in that season of my life. And I'm so grateful. And like, you, Deanne knows, like anytime I ever, ever am able to talk into a podcast or a microphone or anything, I tell people that if you do not have a love for God's word, ask him for it and he will give you that love. He will give you a supernatural love because he wants you to love it because that's who he is. You know, like that's how he can speak to us about our lives and our husband's lives and our kids' lives. Um, But during that time, I started to grow in my own walk. So it wasn't just the faith of, Terry and Kathy, my parents anymore, it started to become April Rogers' faith. And I, I, I was growing and I was maturing because I was able to, to read God's word for myself. And I was asked to give my testimony at MOPS, which is the Mothers of Preschoolers. And we would meet every other Wednesday morning. And uh, once a year, they have a tea and testimony. And so this particular year, they asked me to give my testimony. And I, and I said, okay, um, I don't think I've ever written out my testimony. And so I, I wrote it out. And as I did, Corey, like I started to see God's faithfulness through every aspect of my life. I saw him in my childhood. I saw him in Jeremy's death. I saw him through the infertility. I saw him on the mountaintops and I saw him in the valleys. I saw him in the mundane and the day-to-day whenever I decided to be a stay-at-home mom. And I, you know, like I finally did get the desire in my heart. I saw him there. And as I was able to testify to his goodness, it's then that Jesus's death impacted me in a positive way again. And so I wish I could say that it really only took like 12 months, 24 months, you know, but in reality, it was, it was about 10 years before I finally came to that conclusion. And so we've already discussed this, that we're going to have a part two to this podcast and we're going to talk about resting in Jesus and your, Mm -hmm. and your your book that you just uh, published, but um, the 10 years was not you just sitting there. That's right. Right? The 10 years, you know, mourning is action. Mm-hmm. Crying is action. Like, you kept coming to his feet. Yeah. And then, then you started coming to his word. Yes. And then when you started coming to his word, his word started doing things that only the word can do. It yeah. says in Hebrews 4.12, it is alive and active. Yes. It Amen. is sharper than any two-edged sword. 
And so it started to sharpen you. Even while you were in the midst of your pain, you know, he's like, I, I still require action. Faith without works is dead. Every time that someone, you know, the layman, he said, get up. They, they lowered him in the roof. He has not walked in 38 years. He's never walked. And he said, get up. He, and the lame man didn't say, well, I can't. Mm -hmm. He got up, you know. Yeah. And yeah. he requires us to respond to the gospel. Because, you know, if we, Tony says, faith is not a feeling. Faith is not how you feel. It is not, it is not an emotion. Emotions don't have intellect. And the emotions don't think. Faith is acting as if God is telling the truth. Yes. And I when he that. says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that's what he means. Yeah. And uh, so you, it took 10 years, but it took 10 years of you seeking Jesus in the process of mourning. And you say, for that moment in life, for the moment, this is what you said in your testimony mm -hmm. that you sent me. For the moment, life was once again sweet. Yeah, we had the blessing of my two daughters. Um, we kept continuing to keep Jeremy's memory alive, which is a, which is an important thing. Like, right. you talk about him all the time. Mm -hmm. you, you you share yeah. with him to your girls. Like yes. this is who he was. Like, Amen. and it's there's there's some healing in that, right? And so, your ministries, you, you're reflecting the light. Ministry is going good. You're getting opportunities to speak. You know, you wrote your first book. Uh, Made to shine. Made to shine. Uh, like, God's starting to open these doors up, right? Yeah. yeah. And then COVID happens. Yeah. yeah. And then here we go again. Um, your brother-in-law, Luke Letlow, he gets COVID. He's 41 years old. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to, he's going to be all right. Right. Yeah. He's, uh, of he's, course. He's young. Like, he's strong. He's yeah. healthy. He right. just got a. He just got elected, like mm -hmm. things are going great. And then December the 29th of 2020, he didn't make it. Yeah. And so now you and Julia, your family, got to right back in the middle of the, mm -hmm. the storm. And so talk about how you handled that one versus how you handled Jeremy's. Well, actually... Within a month, we lost Adam's grandmother, Nora Viola, who just was like my grandmother, and she was so, so important in Adam's life, um, and and that was a big, a big loss for myself, for Adams especially, but also my girls. You know, like that was probably one of the first. Um, one of the first deaths that they had ever experienced. And then whenever Luke got COVID, we we're just thinking, oh, he's going to be fine. I mean, I can remember telling Julia that, like, Julia, he, he's healthy. He's going to be just fine. Like, you know, um, but God had other plans. And, and again, you know, we don't understand the why, but we trust in the sovereignty of that. Um, but it was hard, Corey. Like, I mean, it, it was it, it was another devastating loss because it's one of those young losses, and you're thinking, you know, like this is not right. How can this How can this even be? Um, but Julia really did. She did 
as well as you could possibly do in that circumstance being, um, you know, a, a grieving widow with two young kids. I mean, Jacqueline wasn't even one years old yet. And so she's trying to walk through all of that. But she, she said something that was interesting. She said that walking through Jeremy's death helped her to realize that she would laugh again that she would have a reason to rejoice again. She couldn't see that in the moment, but because she had walked that before, she had hope. And there's a difference between grieving with no hope and grieving with hope. You know, and that's part of what we're talking about here is like if you have hope in who Jesus is, then it doesn't make it easy, but it makes it doable right? Because this is not our home. We're just passing through, you know? And, um, and a, then a few days later after, after, um, Luke died, our beloved brother Jerry ended up passing away. And I can remember just, so like in that 30 day time span, telling our girls, okay, you're, great-grandmother's passed away, your uncle's passed away, and now brother Jerry's passed away. And, and finally, at, at Jerry's death, whenever we told them that, Ella just looked at me. She's like, I mean, well, if anybody's in heaven, it's going to be Brother Jerry. <laughs> you know? yeah. So at that point, we were just sort of like, you know, I, I, <laughs> praising through the pain is all is all I can think to say. It's like you just, you're like, man, another another funeral, another, another reason to... Um, to have to go in and, and to, to bury somebody that you love, but you can praise through the pain because of who Jesus is, not because of anything that we are, but because he is. I was thinking about, um, in this testimony and I had, I had written this and, um, Dayspring published this in, in the sweet tea for the grieving soul. And so at one point I was, I was, uh, I had pub- I had sent it in to the publisher, and then it came back to me, and I was reading it out loud. And in it, I talk about how it actually ended up being a gift. And it got me choked up because it's hard to say to lose someone is a, gi- is a gift. Like, how can you say that, April? How can you say that it is a gift? to have lost your brother or to have lost your your grandmother-in-law or Luke or, or brother Jerry. Um, I said, grieving is, is a slow process and a messy one at that, but it turned out to be a gift in my life. You see, if I had never taken those hard and painful steps, I would have never experienced the light as it dispels the darkness. Job 12:22 says, he reveals mystery from the darkness and brings the deepest darkness into the light. And that is the hope. You know, that's it. Well, look, um, we're going we're gonna to wrap this first, first section up, the first episode up. And because um, I want to I talk about your book and I want to talk about, you know, resting in Jesus and, and what what some might think what rest looks like versus what what rest what he's when he says come to me all who are weary mm-hmm. and heavy burden in Matthew 11:28 yeah. and I will give you rest rest for your soul so I want to I didn't want to add that on to the end of a 
episode. So um, stay tuned. Thank you so much for coming today. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna pause here, and then we'll we will pick up next week. But uh, thank y'all for for uh, tuning in today, and we and I look forward to what we're about to do here. And I hope you will uh, will tune in next week. So y'all have a great day. <laughs>